This is Sharon Steitler, the bird chick, and I am here with non-birding Bill. Hello. And it is our free edition of the podcast. Whoops. <laughs> People are texting me. <laughs> That's the cash rolling in from our Patreon. <laughs> we actually have quite a few ching, Patreon ching. members. Thank you very much to everyone yes. who has signed up for our Patreon. You have done the goal that I had hoped, which is uh, you're essentially an article that I don't have to write a month oh. so that I can devote to the podcast. That's great. Not thank so you much, for doing that. Not so much of a thank you to the people who made me read Ages for Hawk, but we'll get to that later, because <laughs> you have a headline. I did. Uh, I believe I was going to bring this up last time, and I completely done forgot it. I was going to ask you, I, I always assume you have seen stories, but then I don't bring them up, and you haven't, and you get angry with me. Uh, did you see that the world's oldest known bird has had another uh, brood of chicks? She's just had one egg. One egg. Well, still. But yes, I've seen that. Chick. You know, we've talked about wisdom before. We have talked about wisdom before, yes. which is why I knew what this bird was. And yes. that's why I saw the headline, World's Oldest Bird Has More, you know, Breeds Again. There's a part of me that really, like, when people ask, like, where would you like to go if, if money and time were, were no object and mm-hmm. permits? And it's like, Midway Adult. I would love to <laughs> see wisdom, but I would I mostly, I just want to go see all the albatross out there. Mm-hmm. But the more friends that I have go to Hawaii, they're now seeing the lays an albatross there, and they're doing the displays. That is my only reason to ever go to Hawaii. <laughs> I want to I want to have a fancy uh, hotel. This is what I'm dealing with, folks. I want a, a drink with an umbrella this, in it, and I want to watch yeah. albatross do their clicky, yeah. clicking and wheezing and their little dance. Thousand years of culture, beautiful beaches, nothing means nothing to her. She wants to be away from people and watch... Gigantic birds dive. Into they're on a they're on a resort. They're, they're I mean they're people there. It's the only reason she wants well, to go to Do Hawaii. I want to mess with the culture? Because I think we all saw that very special episode of the Brady. Bunch. Look, yeah, I was going to explain to you. You are not <laughs> going to pick up a tiki idol and have a tarantula. I don't even think they have tarantulas on the island, and I don't even think the whole tiki thing is part of that particular culture. Right. And you won't meet Vincent Price, so you don't need to be afraid of Hawaii. I wouldn't mind seeing a volcano. Well, you will see one because Hawaii is essentially a volcano. <laughs> Which island are they all? Pretty much, it's like they're all formed, as I, I believe. Basically, I just—that's the only. I mean, when I look at things like that's a long flight for an island that has a bunch of invasive species birds on it. Invasive <laughs> birds and stuff. Uh, invasive species on it. So uh, it does. It also has a lot of birds, and you need to see them before the invasive species kill them all. Well, they've already killed some. All right. But actually, so this kind of gets into uh, a, a little bit of a segue here. Okay. Gizmodo covered the same topic, but they had a little bit different headline. <laughs> Ancient bird sex orgy, exclusive photos. Close. That's TMZ thing. Th- that's more TMZ. No, this uh, Gizmodo got a little more classy with it. Mm. Um, world's oldest bird, now 68, still fucks and has a baby to prove it. <sighs> That sounds like a Gizmodo headline. It does. So, which led, leads me, I was going to, I, I linked to this uh, on the Bird Chick page, that Gizmodo had an article that, this man traveled 10,000 miles to see America's trash birds and loved every minute of it. It was basically about this guy who uh, is writing notes in his eBird lists. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can do that. And I usually put things in there, like, especially for a rarity, like the very thrush I saw the other day, you know, continuing bird. I don't want to have to go through and explain to you, to the reviewer, why I'm seeing a very thrush when everyone else has been seeing the same damn bird for, like, the last three weeks. Sure. It's, you know, it's just there. But anyway, 
this guy just went the extra mile of like for seeing 100 laughing gulls. He was like, pulling into the parking lot of the beach, I was breathless with excitement to see a vast cloud of small knife-winged gulls wheeling over the Espelande. I hurried over to the car, narrowly avoided ruining the local fun run. And okay, how long were, is this review? It's like a paragraph. But anyway, it's it's very, it says like, you know, I'm a writer. I should probably be like upping my eBird notes. You know what this sounds like? This sounds like the what was the character from Seinfeld, the Jay Peterman catalog, mm-hmm. which is apparently a real thing, mm-hmm. and they would like write these mm-hmm. adventure stories for their things. That is what that was like the dream to be a writer. I mean, if you're going to have to write an advertorial, you might as well. Okay, uh, sure, but this sounds like a nightmare. For, like this sounds like exactly the sort of thing that you don't want, as we are going to discuss when we get to H's for Hawk, because you don't need to know. The writer's not... personal story, you want to know, like, you want a description of the bird. Well, here's the thing. I don't read other people's e-bird notes. <laughs> <laughs> but you expect them to read yours. No, I, the only person that I expect to read my notes is the reviewer, who's like, I don't believe that you saw, uh, you know, 100 right. and some odd water thrushes in a day. And so, you know, I don't write my notes for other people or myself. I write it for the reviewer in case they're going to be a little bitch <laughs> a about it. A sad little man in a box. It's not a sad little man in a box. There might be quite a few no, men out there, but no, I just don't. I just don't. Bruce, this isn't about you personally. It's like, I just don't want them to be a little bitch about it. <laughs> and come back to me and be like, hey, did you really see this? Uh... Sidebar. I should probably have not have gone like for a really long exercise with no water and then had Jameson for this podcast. Sidebar, I have been listening to the Good Christian Fun podcast. I love it. It's my favorite new podcast. What the hell does that have to do with e I have been recommending it to everyone. I've been going back and listening to like their first episodes to get, because I started like What does this have thing. to do with anything? I'm getting to it. And they were talking about in one of the episodes... Uh, it's a, the, one of them had said a little, they were talking about whether they can swear. And one of them admitted that uh, she had said little bitch during the podcast. And one of her friend's children had heard that while listening to the podcast. And so she apologized for that. And then they started to work about work being a little bitch into their discussion of Christian pop culture. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway, I thought this article was interesting. Number one, that, you know, this guy is, is getting very, uh, creative with a z-bird good and then i was thinking oh wow maybe i could like create some kind of like little short story with my e-bird reports do you remember the guy who this was like 10 years ago was writing amazon reviews yes Yes. and like built this whole mythology about him yes i remember he had a pug named grendel that was the whole thing i know i know he would just write these reviews for insane products that he was like about that's kind of what i was thinking about like maybe this is what i need to start doing with my ebird list or well i can't do this now because i'm going to reveal it on the podcast but then i was like well i'll just create a fake account Mm. and in my notes there will also be like all these arguments that i'm having with my boyfriend and then i meet this other birder it's like oh and then this other birder so showed me this Connecticut war. Essentially going to be doing the Taster's Choice commercial. Yes, doing the yes. Taster's Choice commercials. Like, and, and then while we were doing dirty stuff in the woods, that's when I got my Lifer Kirtland's yeah. Warbler. All right. With lots of lube. So everybody yeah. go in the comments on birdcheck.com and write your sexy birding, your your excerpts from like the back, like the back cover blurbs from... Uh, 
I really wish people would novel. because right now I am just getting so many spam comments from no, sure. uh, my essay help or something like that. Sure, sure. The other thing is, I don't know what happened. I'm suddenly getting a ton of requests for, hey, post this link and we'll give you money. And I'm like, mm. I'm kind of thinking of it. It's probably Patreon. I would imagine. Uh, well, number one, we're back. We're doing the podcast uh, again. Well, that's well. I mean, I get, I get the the publicists that want us. Oh, this is hilarious. Uh, something called like Grind Gear or something like that. Mm-hmm. Not Grinder. Mm-hmm. That's that's. I'm not the target audience for that. You grind. Who that's said what it's... it is. You oh, grind. Boy. Well, and who says it's for you, sweetheart? It has my name on it. And yeah. they're like, hey, would you like to be an Instagram brand ambassador? And I'm looking at it. It's like, brand it's ambassador. a polite way to put it. It's athletic wear. Okay. And let's let's be clear. I am no longer of the age where you would want me to be your brand ambassador for athletic wear. I mean... Oh, I mean, what like what kind? Like workout stuff or like a lot of leggings, but oh. like with that the, the kind of leggings that have you know like the pantyhose material mixed in with them. No, I don't. <laughs> That's like all the rage. Where it kind of looks like you're wearing Great. not for bondage me. leggings, but okay. they're just I'm exercising and these look cute. Okay, but anyway, but I'm like, uh, um, uh, did did. Do, do you realize that you well, contacted a 40-something woman yeah, to be... Yeah, but they're not worried about you. They're worried about your people who listen to... Women women who listen to nature, women who go outdoors and listen to, like, nature podcasts. I don't know. I do wear leggings. I do love the leggings. Yeah. I, and sometimes I do wear them birding. You don't love leggings? I don't wear leggings. Oh. I Here's my pro tip for everyone. Mm-hmm. Fleece-lined leggings are the only way to survive winter. <laughs> no, they are... Fleece-lined leggings are the best thing to have in a winter since smart wool socks. Since John Snow. Oh, yeah. Um, but no, I mean, when, when I think of, like, what I used to wear outdoors years ago oh, sure. and what I wear outdoors for winter now, yeah. smart wool, that was life-changing. Do you remember, do you, did you have a snow outfit like uh, Ralphie's oh. Brother in Christmas Story? I sure as hell did. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't like quite look. Look like the was, Michelin Man? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mine was blue with, like, very, yeah. like, Mork and Mindy yeah. striping yep. on it. Yep. <laughs> or no, two coasts. Too close for comfort. Do you remember the? Uh, do you remember the mittens that changed colors? Mm-mm. They I were, remember the shirts that changed colors. No, they had. Uh, I forget what they were called, but it was like they had mittens and gloves, and they had like, say there were many different ones. One was like a moon scene, and when you went outside in the cold, a spaceship showed up on it. No, no, my yeah. my parents. I was the youngest of eight. We did yeah. not have that kind of money. Sure. I just had hand me downs. Fair enough. <laughs> Anyway, it, it was just like, really, you grind? Are you sure? You, you sure? Anyway, so yeah, leave leave a romance novel you in grind. my comment section if you wish. But I, I'm seriously considering uh, doing yeah. a romance novel because I have so much time on my hands and you I do. love writing for free. Writing for free is one of my most favorite things it's ever. Great. No, it's not. Um, unless you're trying to get noticed. But anyway, the other thing that I had with uh, this article was like, Gizmodo was writing about eBird. eBird is in the mainstream. Gizmodo noticed it. And, and I, I kind of made that comment. And then on Twitter, people were like, oh, yeah, Birdmodo is a thing. How did I miss the train oh. that Gizmodo is all about the birds? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe don't they know. hired – you know what? It's not impossible. They just hired somebody who was into birds. And well, it's like, here's this thing that nobody else – they're pitching ideas. And, like, here's this idea this that nobody else This person writes about pitching. a little bit of everything. And they yeah, do happen fine. to be a birder. Sure. But it's also this thing of, like, birding is far more mainstream. Birding – Birding is mainstream. Mm-hmm. It is it is mainstream. But it's it's fascinating. People like are also linking to this article from Martha Stewart. It's like 
birding is quietly becoming mainstream. And the article is from like three years ago. Mm. It's like, yeah, it is. It's yeah. It I is. remember that's all the people at uh, Fire Festival could talk about. Was, uh, <laughs> if people were birders at Fire Festival, they would have had a much better time, the and they would have been and... well prepared for that living situation. Because <laughs> once you've been to at, at you have the Bird Festival with a Y B R B Y R D. What Bird Fest Bird Bird B Y R D Festival. I just watched that as someone who technically does large event planning. Well, just not technically. That's that's what I do now right. for the park service for my park. It's large event planning. I'm like, I just watched that going wrong in so many. It, it was oh no, it's a terrible idea. It was it was stressing me out watching the two fire festival documentaries because mm-hmm. I could see where things were going wrong. I could also see where things could be fixed. Right. And they just kept going with wrong, and it just was like this is kind of stressful because this isn't going to end well. Yeah. This is going to be a problem. No, it was never going to end well. There was no way that that was No, there wasn't. But also just me and my brain is I don't – sometimes you come across people in your work and they just love a problem and they love to focus on it. Whereas I'm just like, okay, we know this problem. Oh, yeah. No, I've dealt with people like that in, in my various careers where it's just like, yeah, this is not going to work. And they just push the stick forward on it. Like they need it to – like if the person is honest, it's because they want it on their resume that they took an impossible situation and made it work. Yeah. If the person is dishonest, they're just. How did we get no here? Let's notice. talk. Let's, let's let's talk to something about something more pleasant. Let's talk about H's for Hawk. Oh boy, you're getting that desperate that you want to talk about H's for Hawk. Well, okay, I have so something else finished. I want to talk because I want the the last story to be fun. Not that H's for Hawk isn't fun, right? So where so are you with H's you for have, Hawk? You have finished the book. Did you you read read the book? Right? No, I I okay, had to audiobook to, okay. this. There was no way I was going to. So like I redownloaded read the uh, audiobook. I have not finished it yet. I picked it up where uh, i think the last thing i read is she is taking the hawk around like she's walking around in public to get it just sort of used to you're never gonna finish this book things. i'm gonna finish this book do you, so do we wait to talk about it no let's talk about it now i, I know what happens <laughs> she trains the hawk she trains the hawk so here's my thing with this book yeah this is a lovely well-written book mm-hmm. i did not want to read it no, I know you didn't. And and everyone kept telling me uh, that I should read it and I should read it. And I didn't want to read it and and for a variety of reasons. Number one, um, I already know about falconry. Sure. And I think, as I said on the uh, Paid For podcast, mm-hmm. that uh, I have a very specific relationship with Goshawks and I don't want to read about someone else's as, relationship d- as with As did she. Yeah. Um, I don't, and, and also we're in the trust tree here. Um, she had a really great relationship with her father and her father died and that's part of this book right. and you know, the Gossocks kind of helping her get over that. I did not. And right. so I can't relate to that and it's like, oh, this is uncomfortable. Let's just move. I, here's why I thought like reading this struck me, bear with me here. This mm-hmm. struck me partly as the kind of book that you would write because reading about her and her talking about how she grew up reading falconry books and how she read T.H. White's The Goshawk and didn't like it and all this stuff. So she, I think she has, and I don't know uh, Helen McDonald. I've not read anything else of hers. I don't, because you have a, you don't particularly like bird, you, birds. You don't particularly <laughs> like, you hate birds. Let's be I honest about this. The birds are terrible. They're awful. You don't like books which are about people's metaphysical relationship to birds and this bird represents this to me and freedom and stuff like this you like 
descriptions of like you like you like really scientific books about birds. You like picture like big gorgeous picture books about oh, birds. Oh, bird porn, yeah. But you don't like you know people's personal relationships. So here's here's the was, hilarious you know, thing the, under the Tuscan sun of birds. If yeah, you will, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no. And I don't think that uh, she did that either. But she no. wrote this book about something that happened so here, in her yeah. life. I just want to say. This is a good book. This is not a book I would want to read. But that doesn't mean it's a bad book. Right. No, I think this, but this book was about her conflict yes. with that and her using this bird as a grief management mechanism. So I was curious to see okay. what you would think of that. My agent would wet herself if I wrote a book like this. Sure. This is like the book, she's like, yeah, this book. Or let's just even say, say, for example, a beekeeping book like this. Whereas yeah. I like to talk about the beekeeping book is like this, 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 yeah. this, this. Like, oh, no, no. It needs more of, no, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about mm-hmm. that. No, no. I just want to talk about how cool this, this animal is. So, so I think I would have loved this book if I had read it as... <laughs> For those of you who can't see this, Sharon keeps holding up the book as if she is on the Today Show and is like, needs to show it to the camera. I'm doing... I, but this, she's doing it to me. I'm doing it as This if, book. No, I'm doing this as if I'm on Care, Love, and Her Yeah, Mac. you are. I really am, and that's habit. Um, I would have loved this book if I had read this, like, in my early 20s. Sure. Especially when I started doing stuff at the Raptor Center. So here's what I loved about it. Well, I shouldn't say what I love, Like... I would have loved about it. Everything she says about falconry is spot on. I mean, in some ways, it reminded me of Frank Taylor, who taught me how to handle birds. Mm -hmm. And is one of the reasons why I'm as good a presenter as I am today as a naturalist is because of Frank Taylor, raptor bander, uh, falconer. So, uh, I I mean, I really love it. And so for that part, the part that I would have enjoyed from that perspective is like, I kind of already know this stuff. You're doing a really great job of describing it. Go you. I didn't care for the daddy stuff. I shouldn't say daddy. Her father stuff because right. I just can't relate to that. Right. Um, and you don't. I mean, that's what. What do they call it? Like a grief journal. Like a thing, mm-hmm. that's a genre of book. You don't read that. I don't read that. I don't want to read that. Yeah. And that's that's just me. I can I completely mm-hmm. understand why there's a place in there. But also, and 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 I found like some. I found some things where she and I could relate that I thought was okay. really hilarious, and I think yep. you'll relate to this too. Sure. When she was talking about when she was a kid, all her favorite books, and and it's a point where she's back in her mom's house and she's back in her old room and she's looking mm-hmm. at all the books, all the books that she loved, and she's like, "Yeah, I also hated them too because they never had happy endings." <laughs> Tarka the otter was killed by hounds. The falcons died of pesticide poisoning. A man with a spade. Beat to death the otter in the ring of bright water. Vultures tore out the the red pony's eyes. The deer and the yearling was shot. The dog and old yeller died. So did the spider in Charlotte's Web. And my very favorite rabbit rabbit in Watership Down. And I was like, oh yeah, I, I, you and I agree on that. Yeah. It's like I was like, yeah, I loved a lot of those books and I also hated them. And the only book yeah. that I can still read today, and even that, it's hard, is Watership Down. And right. it's, it's also, and I often wonder, it's like. Would I enjoy Watership Down as much if it didn't have that final scene? Because mm. it's not really necessary. Oh, well, that's a larger discussion. That is a larger discussion. Wanna, like, but anyway, but yeah, if you have, spoiler alert, in Watership Down, rabbits die. Yeah. <laughs> but so, so I, was like, I was like, oh, that's really funny. But then also, I, there were some things in here where her brain in relationship to what we do is fundamentally different from mine and i was trying to figure out if it's like if because she wrote this and she acknowledges in it i'm not i'm not diagnosing her that she was going through depression 
But there were little things like she was like, there's a time in life when you expect the world to be always full of new things. And then comes the day when you realize that's now not how it will be at all. You will see that life will be will become a thing made of holes, absences, losses, things were there and are no longer there. And you realize, too, that you have to grow in between the gaps. And I was like, yeah, you you lose things, but life is constantly full of new things. Like, right. I, I, I can go in my patch and, okay, granted, I might see something terrible in there, but it's still interesting and new. And it was, so, so I, 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 it's just, there was another instance in here, too, when she was talking about Tom Cade. R.I.P. Who just died? Tom Cage. Yes. Who, one of the reasons why we have Peregrine yes, Falcons it was, he had in the a, Midwest. He had a obituary, I believe, in the New York Times, or maybe it was the Post. As well, he should have. As well, he should have. I met him once. Um, so she has here in the back the falconer and the scientist, Professor Tom Cade, once described falconry as a kind of high intensity bird watching, and I thought it was, <laughs> which is something I've said. Yep. It's like it's just very extreme bird watching. And she said, "I thought it was a nice phrase and an accurate one, but now I know it, this is wrong." Uh, what I had done was nothing like bird watching. It was more like gambling, though the stakes were infinitely bloodier. At its heart was a willed loss of control. You pour your heart, your soul, your very soul into a thing, into training a hawk, learning to form in the racing numbers and cards, then relinquish control over to it. That is the hook. Once the dice rolls, the horse runs, the hawk leaves the fist, you open yourself up to luck, and you cannot control the outcome. I'm sorry. Ms. McDonald, but that is birding, especially hardcore birding, because um, it is a gamble, especially if you're going for something like a horned guan, right. or in my case, my nemesis bird, the spruce grouse. You go for it. You put your heart in. I'm going. I'm, I'm going to leave it to him today to try to see this goddamn bird, and then and then you don't. Or the number of times that I have dipped on resplendent quetzal in various countries. Hardcore birding is a gamble, and I think that's where birding and falconry have a commonality: is that you get into For sure. this, and you do pour your heart and soul into it when you really love it. Even me, who like I try to put up very specific boundaries since I work in birding and do it as a mm-hmm. hobby. And this book—that's great. That's her opinion. She and I have very differing different opinions, but it's a very well-written book. How did you feel about her thoughts on? The nature of the goshawk. Spot on. Okay. Spot on. And I especially love the stuff when she talked about when she's when as she's discovering with the goshawk that she discovers that her bird likes to play and she mm-hmm. plays a game with it. And she's like, I would expect this from a peregrine, but from a goshawk. And then she kind of goes through all the descriptions of goshawks and how they're described as being temperamental and all this. Right. She's like, Oh, this is a bunch of dudes writing about a about a woman. Huh. <laughs> And that's what you that's that. the one you prefer to fly with is the female cuz she's bigger and right. and and I was like oh that's 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 really spot on. It's a great book. So I think people should read this book. This is a great book. Mm. I this I I'm I read it. I didn't need to read it. <laughs> so you think it's a great book but you didn't enjoy reading it. You didn't enjoy reading it. I think I would have enjoyed it 20 years ago. Okay. But I think I'm at a different point in life. So if you don't know anything about falconry, mm-hmm. This is a really good book. She does a good job of describing falconry. Uh, and, and I get very frustrated online with people in falconry, with birders in falconry, because, oh, bless you young birders, quite a few of you just seem to think that every falconer out there is out to trap every single rare bird of prey right. that comes into North America. And that's just not what falconers are. Falconers have a, most falconers have a very deep respect for birds of prey. 
and they're not out to to trap anything. I mean, we would not have peregrine falcons in the Midwest if it weren't for That's falcons true. who donated some of their breeding stock. And she talks in the book. She talks about that the reason why there are goshawks in England is that falconers were buying they, them. They were hunted to extinction by gamekeepers who didn't want them hunting their prey, and falconers would do a bogo. Yes. Where they would buy a goshawk and get, get, another, one, get another one and release it. Yeah. So so, so does that count? Are those birds like Oh yeah, that's countable? Like, that's, yeah, that's kind of like, it's like Hawaii, baby. Yeah. You know, once once a population is established and it's self-sustaining, mm. then, then it's totally countable. Okay. Even if it is from Germany. But no, The Goshawk was a great book. I... I I, I jokingly say that's like it was a pain to read. It's just for Hawk. The Goshawk is a different book. Oh, yeah, you're right. The T.S. I don't think you should keep reading H's for Hawk because you know how you said you had trouble with like T.H. White being cruel to his Hawk? Sure. He's not physically cruel to it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's mentally cruel to it. The bird doesn't die. The bird escapes. Oh, yeah. I know that. Okay. I think what I'm going to do, because I got it as an audiobook, but I also own the book, I think I'm going to read it. It's going to be it's going to be more okay for me. I can filter it better reading words on a page oh, than I can listening to. Oh, yeah. No, that's always been true for me. Like, when I was in um, my early 20s, I was in a heavy Stephen King phase, mm-hmm. and I could read Stephen King and not be afraid of it because my mind could filter it. But, like, watching the TV adaptation of It, just, like, the shadows on the wall of the mm-hmm. spider creature that they couldn't show because they didn't have the money for that scared me senseless. See, it's the complete opposite for me because in my brain I'm I'm creating the thing. So sure. for me, hearing so and I think it's like a, a defense mechanism mm-hmm. that I've created for myself because people just tell me horrific things all the time. Yeah. It's the thing that happens if you own a pet rabbit. People yep. will tell you the worst rabbit story ever. So I just have this filter of like, this person is talking. I am going to get the bare kernel of information I need to do and not make them feel bad. And so with her telling me the story of like what TH White was doing, and it's not the worst thing I've ever heard someone do to bird prey. Mm. Um that I was just like, oh, okay, oh, that that wasn't great, but also, yeah. people have done a lot worse. And it, but yeah. and and she talks about one of the reasons why she liked the goshawk, and when she was talking about how all her favorite animal books, the animal died. It was like mm. Goz didn't die; he got away. Yeah, granted, he got away with a leash and a jest, but it is possible for a bird like that to. Sure tear those dresses off especially with the type of twine he was using yeah yeah no i i was i thought you would have a very complicated reaction i had a very complicated reaction to this book and i read it and i forced myself to i like how did you feel about her description about being a young girl around old (sighs) old aristocratic men who were falconers oh i would have had a great time with that i would have had a great time with that so I, I think this I think this is a great book. If you don't know much about falconry and you wanted to learn more, this is very accurate. This is very true. Um, I think this is a great book if you enjoy Birds of Prey and if you're curious about goshawks. Okay. She has a very great and true relationship with goshawks. It's not the relationship I have with them, but I respect hers. I suddenly feel like I'm sounding like <laughs> Owen Wilson in Sting. I don't listen to his this music, ex- but I respect that yeah, he does it. Exactly. What's that, Zoolander? Yeah. Um, and I think if you're someone who had a great relationship with your dad and you need to to, to get through some grief, whereas I did not. <laughs> I was like, uh, can we talk about anything else but dads right now? Yeah. 
Uh, next up on the book club, I just got today uh, a book I learned about uh, last week. The Strib, the Star Tribune, did a profile of this guy I, for random reasons I thought it was fascinating. His name is Calvin uh, Rutstrom, and he wrote a book called Paradise Below Zero, which is how to, about how to go camping in winter, uh, which is a topic I've become strangely obsessed with. Um, Unless you're going to give me like 25 bucks, I'm not going to read that book. Because that is the only reason I read H's for Hawk, yeah. is that we got to the $25 uh, I think I think yeah. if you actually read this, which you're going to have to read this book because it does not exist in audiobook form, because he is part of the reason the, the, the Strib article that cued me into this guy was like, he's not as well remembered as other nature writers of his era, which was the, like, you know... Uh, he died in like eighty two. Anyway, uh, but he's not as well remembered because he didn't romanticize it. Mm-hmm. Like he enjoyed it, and he would talk about like you know it was fun, and like he enjoyed going camping and winter stuff. But he was very much he was very matter of fact about it. Um, so he actually, what's very funny is the second chapter of this book before he gets into all these things you need to do to survive. The second chapter of this book is. Uh, he is camping up north in preparation for going trapping for the winter and camping for the winter. And a, uh, a, a merchant or a banker or somebody and his 19-year-old daughter missed the last boat and they're trapped there. Trapped, you know, there's no way for them to get back to the thing. Mm-hmm. So, he, so he waits until the ice freezes and helps them prepare for a 300-mile dog sled journey back. That is one chapter of it. Rather than making this the whole book... About you know the the you know how this transforms them. He makes it one chapter because that's as important as it that's is. That's lovely, to him. honey. What does it have to do with birds? It's nature. This is not bird nature. This is not nature chick. Well, it's the next book that I'm reading. Well, that's super. <laughs> what's the next book that you're? What's the next horrific? Do you want me to go into the stuff that I hear you listening to on Audible while you're... Well, right now I'm listening to the Risk Podcast, so go for it. Well, I mean, I had to... I took that off my phone because because I was like, I have to finish H's for Hawk because I'm I'm committed because the Patreon members wanted it. And uh, I would just be like, oh, but Death, Sex, and Money just had a new download. (laughs) I was like, I need to to completely avoid my podcasts. You know... People come to this podcast for me. Let's be honest. Like, I don't know, man. Know I just I'm had doing. another podcast ask for an interview. They asked for me and not yeah, for you. Sure. All right. Birds. Birds. All right. Do you have another story for us? Do you have a happy story? You said you want to go out on something happy. Um, I just well maybe funny. Turkeys are going wild. How many legs? How many legs does the dog have left at the end of that's this story? That's bird, so it's, I'm oh, not okay. a dog chick. That was turkeys. I saw turkeys today. Tell everybody about the turkeys you saw. I, uh, we ha- today is the day of a massive snowfall in the Twin Cities, and I came home from work. It took me a 14-mile drive. took me an hour to complete. I came back home, found a place to park my car, was walking into the building, and saw that there was a car on a side street with its... It wasn't snowbound. It just had its flashers on. And by God, there were eight turkeys sort of wandering. Like, they came out and were wandering around. And two of the turkeys, they looked like they were inspecting the car. They were probably just looking at the reflections in the car's glass. It was like, they were like, 
Boy, buddy, you're really so, yeah, do you need a push? I got some, uh, you know, I got some jumper cables if you need them or stuff like that. But they were just sort of hanging around. It was just really weird to see. Like, it was a big flock. It was like eight turkeys. Well, and then tonight we went on our, our walk before we did the podcast mm-hmm. and we found two turkeys sleeping in and a tree. We did. So, but they just sort of hung around and then uh, a guy came out to get into the car and the turkeys went away. Huzzah. Yeah. So, um, but no, this story is about turkeys gone wild in Moorhead, mm. causing a stir. Shouldn't that be Moorhens going wild in Turkey? That headline is so problematic on so many <laughs> levels. This is what I'm dealing with, folks. Not even the same continent. <laughs> Continue. Continue with your little story. I mean, let's. I know that you're enjoying. From Moorhen to Turkey, the country. I know that the glare that you're giving me is satisfying to you, but doesn't make for good radio. No, I'm not satisfied at all. Yeah. But uh, anyway, in 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 the Moorhead area, the Fargo Moorhead area, Mm -hmm. uh, there have been some turkeys that are getting rather aggressive. 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 I'm sorry, I was reading one rafter. A term for a group of turkeys has reportedly grown to about... Reportably. Would you like to read this? Yeah, I would. Okay. No, continue. Has reportedly grown to about 50 birds. Whoa! Now that's, that's a terrifying that's, flock that's of That's a turkeys. lot of turkeys. And, I'm not afraid of turkeys. If I saw 50 turkeys coming towards me, I would be concerned. Yes. Um, and there are several others along the river and the neighborhoods. Moorhead City Administrator Chris Volkers said she's been getting at least a complaint a day lately. And none were in support of the turkeys. <laughs> so the turkeys have not evolved to the point where they can use the phone, is what we have learned from this story. City Councilwoman Sarah Watson Curry, who lives in and represents the North Moorhead area, where most of the rafters are now living, sure. has started turkey talk. On the Facebook page called mm-hmm. Moorhead Equals Fantastic, where people are weighing in on the issue. And and so, according to posts, turkeys have been terrorizing mail carriers, attacking people's dogs, pooping all over people's yards and sidewalks, wow. and ripping up gardens and scaring children on their way to bus stops. It's fascinating to me. Look, it is it is a matter. No, I grant, like, I understand that, like, first of all, people are... Afraid of birds, if you are not familiar with, like, any interaction with a wild animal can, you know. A turkey's a good-sized bird. Turkey's a good-sized bird. They are slightly, they are kind of weird looking, you know. I'm not particularly afraid of raccoons. If a raccoon came charging towards me, I would be upset. If a 50-pound male came charging towards you, that's some scary shit. Uh, So, yeah, this is, but that's, wow, that's. But, well, it's interesting because the police are like. It's turkeys. Just, just, just yeah. deal with it. And but the city is kind of like, hey, everybody. Maybe if you didn't feed the turkeys, we wouldn't have so many, and they wouldn't be so aggressive. Well, also we don't have any predators. They should have some coyotes in the Moorhead area. Yeah. It's and that's that's wolf area. Well, I wonder. That's an interesting. I that's an interesting question. Is if you have a flock of fifty turkeys, is that dissuading coyotes from trying to predate? Well, them? here's the thing: these turkeys are also in a. I wouldn't say it's a major metropolitan area, but it, yeah. it is city limits, yeah. and so that's going to be a little more protective from. Yeah, definitely more protective from. Or wolves. like a, you know, a fox is going to have a fox problem. Fox is taking... not. Fox, no, it's it's coyotes and wolves yeah. that are going to go after turkeys. It's not a fox. Well, there's no Gold wolves, and yeah. So yeah, so there's no there's no. There are, 
predators. They're uh, Moorhead is in wolfish territory. Well, it's if like they the think outskirts. That, if you think that turkeys are upsetting these people, wait until they see wolves. <laughs> The wolves have decided I want the dogs inside. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, that's the things like we live in. We are just on the edge of Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. We have friggin' deer. Like apart from the eight. Oh, sweetheart, turkeys, we have we have we have coyotes, coyotes You've and seen deer the coyotes. and fox. But like to see a deer is a crazy thing. To like realize like how much wildlife is adapting to. Oh yeah, but it's I like mean, they're figuring out a lot of these humans aren't going to kill us. No, no, the coyotes. There are coyotes in downtown St. Paul. Coyotes get stuck in the Science Museum of Minnesota. If you live in wow. Minnesota, if you live in Minnesota, this no is idea. downtown St. Paul. There was a day. So my visitor center. I work for the National Park Service. My visitor center mm-hmm. is in the lobby of the Science Museum of Minnesota, which is a gigantic museum. Yep. In downtown St. Paul, right on, on the, the river. Mississippi yep. River, coyotes get caught in the parking garage. Wow. And that is a thing on the security radio. It's like, coyote on level two. And one day it ran outside the visitor center. And so animal control kind oh, of. Oh, yeah. they need to Instagram that stuff. They need to record that on you know, the security cameras. That's amazing. If you, if, okay. So my park, I'm not going to say the name of it, uh, but it's pretty easy to figure out. We, we post videos about mm. coyotes and otters all the time. It is a natural area. Mm-hmm. A city park, if you will, mm-hmm. owned by the city of St. Paul, which you should be able to figure out, um, right across the river from the Science Museum. So, I mean, coyotes are here and otters. I mean, so, yeah, they're, they're, they're yeah. living in downtown Minneapolis. And downtown. Yeah, I mean, when we lived in uh, in the Lynn Lake area, which is uptown Minneapolis, which is a very popular area, I used to... Don't let Jeremy hear you call that uptown. Eh, I don't I'm, don't care what Jeremy thinks. Uh, he likes Honor, Honor Majesty's Secret Service. But, like, I used to go running, and I ran past uh, the big graveyard, and by oh, God, yeah. there was a deer there, you know? It's like, you know, like oh, gra- is that a statue? No, I saw the breath coming out of his mouth. So, just so, like yeah. So, that, that graveyard next to uh, that lake, that is... Uh, Biddy McCoska, no. Yeah. Um, that's where that person got bit by the fox that had rabies. Mm. So the idea that, you know, just like... You can get rabies in a major metropolitan area. Yes, you can. Yeah. The uh, So the idea that megafauna exists... Or, and like, the really weird part is, for me at least, like even in this sort of... And we have like, uh, the thing I love about Minneapolis is we have a lot of, you know, green space and a lot of trees and stuff. And seeing a deer, which is the size of a small horse, you can see it, and then it just vanishes. They just go into the woods, and it's like, oh, wait, this is like, there are a small, what I consider a small amount of trees around here, and they're just yeah. gone. The deer, the deer are amazing. I think yeah. I think it's more cool. Well, you and I, we went around for a, a walk on the lake today, and uh, we were following tracks and stuff, and just looking into all the reeds and stuff, and all the trees and stuff, and just like seeing how the trails, just the tracks, just disappeared into that. Oh yeah, especially that deer track that uh, we had. Yeah. All right, so um, that is gonna wrap things. Why, why am I wrapping this up? You're usually the one who wraps this up. I don't know. Do you have something else to do? No, I really don't. Um, But it's just hard to find bird news right now. It is a slow time of year. Um, But I do want to say, so um, we've been soliciting questions. I guess we did it with the Patreon. I guess we can do it with Mm -hmm. here, too. Um, Do you have questions that you want to ask me? Email me. Yeah. You can go on to our Patreon page. Even if you are not a Patreon contributor, we we can do things like you can... 
have public polls and things like that. But if you want to talk to us, you can... No, 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 no. I don't want people to talk to us. <laughs> and scene. Thanks, everybody. We'll be back next week. No, I don't want to make a commitment of like, hey, you can come chat with us on Patreon. But what I'm looking for is like, okay. uh, we're thinking of having like a question and answer episode. So yeah. especially for Patreon members. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you have a question you want to ask me? You can email me at Sharon at birdchick.com. Yeah, I know that we get kind of like bitchy on this but just like even don't send us questions like what's this bird in my yard if you have a question like why does this bird do that yes. that's an interesting question that's yes something we can do. yes and if you send me a question if i laugh it's because i i say this in my classes is probably because i had that same problem sure send us yeah. questions bill will give you the wrong answer i'll give you the right answer exactly uh, all right, this is Bird Chick Podcast number 241. If you want to support this podcast, you can do it for it, for as low as $1 a month. Go to patreon.com slash birdchick. If you have any questions for Sharon, you can find her on Twitter where she is at birdchick. You can email her, Sharon at birdchick.com, or you can leave a comment on the Bird Chick blog, which is at birdchick.com. And we will be back in one week for Patreons and two weeks for everybody. And we talk about a lot dirtier stuff on the Patreon one. And maybe even gossip. Ta-ta.